Welcome to Tuke Talk, a video podcast by the band Tuke, and brought to you by Blackfrog Media. We chat with the best in the music industry from yesterday and today with a focus on the good old days of Canadian rock. This episode originally streamed live on Tuesday, January 12th, 2021 on Facebook Live. Now, here are your hosts, Todd, Brent, Shane, Corey, and Darren. And then I says to the guy, listen to this. Oh, are we on? Okay. <laughs> Don't do that to your dog. It's unnatural. <laughs> yeah. Illegal in several states. It's officially uh, holidays are over. 2021 is in full swing. Um, anything yeah, different? No. What's happening? Yeah, I get Is this the first one of 2021? No, we Hockey did one, starts. but it still kind of felt like the, the, you know, we were still on the tail end of the holidays, so... But now we're I got kind of you, right yeah. in the midst, you know, right in the uh, full swing of things. Right. What's everybody okay, doing cool. to keep busy? Um, we're doing some yard work, more yard work. The never ending really? uh, job back there. Yeah. It, it really is never ending. <laughs> it makes you wanna it makes you wanna get a condo so you don't ever have to do yard work again. Through. Yeah, I'm contemplating putting in that fake grass actually because I would oh, go from no, Don't do that. Don't do that. Really? What? Yeah, my friend yard. has it. Because my friend has it and he says it's awesome. Yeah, but what happens is, I mean, it's so I because I walk the neighborhood and there's a lot of fake grass in my neighborhood. Okay. And I still see weeds growing out of it. <laughs> really? Because well, you have to make sure you all that dirt and all those leaves still like break down on top of it, right? Mm -hmm. So seeds can still take root. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, but you and live in Los Angeles, so it's like fake yeah. breasts, fake lawn. This is pretty natural. <laughs> <laughs> the minute you put in fake lawn, you've got to start going for like the blue light special lunch. You got to start eating dinner at four o'clock. You wear the matching sweatsuit with your chick. Yeah. yeah. You got to pull your socks up to your yeah, knees. Like there's a I mean, I love having things you got to do. So I I love having real grass. It's just there's a there's a, a bit of, of a gopher situation now, which oh is, no. There's, yeah, you always heard them. Corey, Corey can come over and uh, trap them for me. Yeah. It's like groundhogs in the valley. I noticed that there's like it's either groundhogs or gophers or, or gophers. Like yeah, I don't know what's moles. Going on. I think they're called moles or something well, like that. Moles, yeah. moles with a V. Voles. Voles. We have up here, anyways. Yeah. Maybe okay. it's like that. Maybe it's like the Kevin Bacon movie Tremors, and they're like large <laughs> carnivorous worms. You I actually got a picture. Shane, you got a you picture have a dog, one, don't you? What's that? Do you have a dog? Uh, not right now. Oh, because, uh, yeah. Sometimes. I, I take dogs in and look after them, though, from time to time. Well, the reason I say is that they, for whatever reason, and I don't have an explanation for this, but voles are huge up here in uh, spring and summer, and they destroy lawns. But if you look down the street, you can always tell the people that have pets because, for whatever reason, they don't like hanging out where the dogs are. Right. Wow. Well, when I, what the hell? That's him. That, that's what what they are. There's a little head sticking out of a hole. Yeah, that'd be a gopher, dude. It's, it doesn't <laughs> look like gopher. Doesn't Back in the day, gopher. we called them. It's, we called it's them a, prairie it's a dogs of some yeah. kind, but it's not a gopher. Hmm. They got they got smaller eyes and. Do they have long tails? Because those are up in the in, up in the mountains up here. At night, they come out when the when the sun goes down. Okay. 
They have a, they're like a mini gopher, but with a long tail. I'm not sure what they're hmm. called. Well, they only ever stick their head out because as soon as they see you, they go back down. So I've never seen the other end. <laughs> well, Darren, what are you calling it? What are you calling What are they called? Winnipeg? Vole. a vole. It's basically kind of like a mole, but different, I guess. Let me see what a vole looks like. It's It's, a mole from Winnipeg? I well no because you think that would be a war. From Winnipeg. A vole from Winnipeg. Winnipeg, exactly. I had somebody correct me three times before I knew it was a thing too, because I was like, we never had them. But again, we have dogs, so they don't but I have other friends that, and then you can get these things that you put in your, your lawn and they kind of emit this high frequency that keeps them away too. So I'll yeah, try all those things. It kind of looks uh, like that actually. I'm looking at pictures of voles. I mean, really? I've never heard of oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a mole. No moles look like platypus or something like a anteater. That'd be cool. If you had platypus in your lawn, maybe it is like a gopher. Must be. Um, I think it's not like related. a It's having having a cat. The, when I had cats, I didn't have any gophers for years. Huh. They just they just leave. they don't want to hang out because they know if they come out, the cats will get them. Well, you yeah. know, the fake lawn okay. situation out here in the desert is really common because it's such a hassle dealing with the water out here, and there right. are limitations. What so the older houses will have proper, you know, grass, and then newer properties will be more and more fake lawns and a lot of them can be deceptively you know i would you'd have to tell me twice i'd be like oh okay i don't know i don't stand around looking at people's lawns but i, I guess so uh so look, this, week on, nice. this, this week on turf talk um, <laughs> <laughs> i don't have a fake lawn because i have dogs and they don't like they don't like it uh, that's true um, oh there's one right there yeah, what's got, her name again is that cover, we gotta cover a couple of topics here before we bring our guests okay. on uh, okay we, okay we got ho- hockey starting this week Oh yeah! Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, first Jets game is uh, tomorrow. I bl- or Thursday. Tomorrow, Thursday. Yep, Thursday. 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 Calgary. Calgary. Wow. Okay. Calgary. Well, yeah, they only played like five teams all year, so it's you know going to be. Uh, Who's Dallas cheering for? <laughs> How many games this season? Like fifty something. I think it's fifty-two. Yeah, yeah fifty-two. Wow. Not, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, they are gonna hate each other by the end of this season. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. Well, Calgary and Winnipeg for sure, because I mean, like I said, like I think February starts off. They play five games in a row. I mean, it's just wow. crazy. Wow. Yeah. Playoffs. So it's yeah. And I don't know how fun. the playoffs are gonna work, but I think it's gonna be good for the game. It's gonna be fun, especially yeah, the Canadian. Well. And at oh, least the teams are traveling. Six fifty-six game season. So. yeah. At okay. least the teams travel to the, the cities, so the Jets will play in their arena. Calgary will play in their arena, where you know we know during the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. I think they've they actually they've in. actually included a a, a a bylaw that I guess when they put in the new restrictions, there was some an exception to the fact that the Jets could play, so it didn't excluded that kind of uh, get together. But I see Ontario today just announced that they're going in a full lockdown too. So yeah. Um, Hmm. I guess it's it's going to get uh, you know who knows how it's going to go, but I don't think the uh, the audience is going to be anytime soon. So it's going to be a televised event for sure for the next foreseeable future. Anyways, I wonder if it's going to be really markedly distracting once we start letting people back into the games. If that'll affect the guys like so accustomed to playing without an audience by the time by the time that happens, you know, it'll be like whoa, who knows. 
Well, and we can't go any further without bringing up our good friend Evander Kane, who we all know used to be a Winnipeg Jet and was a real pain in the ass. But uh, I don't know if you guys saw today, but he officially filed for bankruptcy, made Uh $56 million in his career, and he's uh, filing for bankruptcy. So, How does that happen? Really? He was a smartass. So, I mean, you know, you, you get what's coming to you, so. I think there was uh, well, a famous photo. Didn't he uh, post from the Cosmo here in Vegas? Yeah, he a had photo a with a money bit of money. And, yeah, yeah. And he was apparently a real desirable kind of guy here at restaurants and too. Like he would, you know, threaten waitresses and say, you know, like I'm not paying my bill, and if you, uh, you know, mm. don't, you know, comp me, I'm going to tweet out that your restaurant sucks. All that no kind way. of stuff. So, yeah, he was that kind of guy, you know, but. Um, to be fair, we we do that all the time. Is that is that frowned upon or <laughs> no? No, that's yeah. normal. Not a yeah. hockey player though. Yeah, it's not a hockey player. Yeah, different when you're a musician. You you, you really need them to comp the music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Todd yeah, usually gets drunk and disorderly. D and D baby. D and D. But is it one of those things where you know? Because I always. You know, you see that in sports and the guys who make serious money in sports, you're like, how do these guys go through that kind of money? But all it takes is a couple of divorces or, you know, some things and stuff just goes crazy. Yeah. It's, well, it's- and let's keep in mind, you've got a kid that's, you know, all of a sudden goes from being any, you know, 18, 19 years old, being signed to these ridiculous contracts. They have no money management skills. So, you know, it's yeah. like, hmm. You know, it's uh, I guess it's the same thing in any, you know, you start putting a ton of money in the hands of somebody who doesn't know how to manage it and they're going to, you know, big money, big spending. So how far along in his career is he? How far in his career is he? Is he Uh, halfway through? Like, can he make it? Can he make it back and still be okay? Or is he going to be a bum? I don't know. I honestly haven't, uh, you know, done the math on it because I kind of don't like the guy. So I just saw the headline and I figured, you know, he got coming to him. So. You but should yeah, like him. You should, you should. You should. You should go for dinner with him. He gets free meals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. How, so, how old is he? Like mid twenties? Well, yeah, he's got to be late twenties, maybe now. But yeah. Ouch! That's even worse. Uh, I didn't realize. How the hell he's young. He's young. He'll make it back. Yeah. Make some of it back. I mean, maybe not fifty-six yeah. million dollars, but you know. That's insane, yeah. man. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for him, though. You know, not at all. Um, <laughs> Ooh, you're a he's a tough one darren steen <laughs> exactly um but yeah so uh that's great we should probably uh look at bringing on our guests today who wants to do the honors anybody anybody i can Who's do it idea? yeah Todd. i'll do it okay um okay go ahead what were you gonna say i was go gonna ahead. say you look you look nice today Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I pre-recorded all this. I'm actually not, not here right now. <laughs> you can't imagine how hard it is to pre-record this to interact. Yeah, to interact with what we're talking. Yeah, so. Uh, no, this guy, we originally knew him from Honeymoon Suite. He's done a million things. In looking at his credits, I was like, oh, he was involved with that and that and that and that. Uh, he currently plays with Roger Hodgson, who was, uh, you know, a very integral member of uh, Super Tramp. Uh, we last time we played with him, uh, I think Fitz and I crossed paths when he was with uh, Kim Mitchell, uh, mm-hmm. an amazing dude and uh, a goddamn handsome man, ladies and gentlemen. Make some noise for Ray Coburn, gentlemen. Thank you. Welcome. 
again, very much. Happy New Year. Again, we have to comment on in the sweet setup you have there, or if you're if you're like squatting in someone's apartment, you you picked the right place to squat. You know what? I've got this place for the next two hours, so uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get down to it. (laughs) Well, a green screen in the background, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now you're in Montreal, correct? I am in Montreal. Yes. And how long have you been here? How long have you been in Montreal? A year and a half. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it's great. Uh, You know, I moved here um, in the summer of 2019, and I was away for most of this first six months, and then uh, then COVID hit. So Mm -hmm. I still don't really know many people here. Okay. So I'm really I'm grateful for the company for you guys. There you go. Because I'm getting really lonely. Well, how is Quebec? How is Quebec on the grand scale of things? You guys are pretty, you're pretty high in numbers out there. Very high in numbers. Uh, you know, it's funny though. Um, just walking around, I live right downtown, and I spend a lot of time in Old Montreal. I practically live in Old Montreal, and people here are really cool, man. They 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 are doing what they have to do. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I it's it's strange that we have such high numbers, but the people are good. They're good here. Mm-hmm. That's great. So you live right in the downtown Montreal area. That must be so rad. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful it, there. I love it down there, man. It's, it's gorgeous. Like, I can understand. Do you speak French, Ray? No, uh, un petit peu. Un petit peu. Yeah, uh, <laughs> je, je, je prendre. Uh, yeah I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. Yeah, I pick it up from cereal boxes at hockey games. That's what I get. My yeah, right. Yeah. Is it cold? We did French in school, though, right? Oh, I know. I know. I did, yeah, we. I don't remember it. It's funny because Manitoba. Am I am I correct in in, in hearing that Quebec? I mean, uh, Manitoba is one is also a bilingual audio, uh, province. Is that is that true? Um, I just make that up. No, it's true. There's there's a lot of French speak you know speaking people here. They have actually, um, well, Saint Vitel, Saint Boniface, like there yeah. a lot of in the south. Yeah. So I would I would assume so. I mean, you know, Festival de Voyageur every year. And, right. Uh, you know. mm-hmm. Right. There you go. There you so, go. I mean, I think I think all of Canada is considered technically, you know, two official languages. I don't know. But, yeah, there's probably a lot more here than other places for sure. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's funny because recently I recently once in a while you'll come across like I'll be in a store and it'll have like vintage toys or something like that. And I'll look at it and I'll go, check this out. It's like English and French. I go, this is from Canada. This clearly came from Canada. It freaks people out at first. They're like, why has this got French on it? I go, because in Canada, you get both on everything. For those yeah. that don't know, you get both languages on everything. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. actually a law. Yeah, you have to. Um, it's a law. Yeah, exactly. Now I don't know if that's true. Actually, in Quebec, do you actually do they have English and French on both? When you- uh, they have, you know, there was a law at one time passed where it had to just be French, and uh, I'm not sure. Oh. You mm-hmm. think I would know? Yeah, because I know years. it was kind of the the opposite there, and uh, mm-hmm. yes. But the rest yeah. of the Canada, stop signs, the stop signs say "arrête." You know, yes, like, yeah. it's like that kind of stuff is like, you know, stop signs everywhere else. But then you go to Quebec, you know, so I right. was really actually talking about this because we're going to have John Mark from uh, from the box on in a oh. couple of weeks. Who's a, who's yeah. a French Canadian artist? And I, I'm always really fascinated by, by this because you could attest to this as well, uh, Ray. And I'm sure everybody here can, because I would tour across the country. And if you had a song that was placed and doing really well. You could like be across the country just killing it, like getting really full of yourself, and nothing will put you in check quicker than just making it all the way across Canada, going up into Quebec, and having everybody just kind of go, "Who the hell are these guys?" You know, it's kind of like it's a whole other animal. It's and, true. Uh, 
And, and it was, re- I thought that was really cool. Actually. Like I was always like, you got to kind of earn your whole, you got to earn it all over again by going to back. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, I love the culture. I love, I love that Me they, too. they have their own thing going and they really support it. It's, it's magic. It's great. It's great. But I yeah, think they that, will I keep think- you in check for sure. Indeed. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, uh, how have you been facing all this? You literally moved to Montreal, you squatting in that amazing place you're in right now. And then you've been there the whole time by yourself. Yeah. I've been here the whole time by myself. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been, I mean, it's funny because if I was in Toronto where I know everybody, I still would have been alone in my studio by myself most of the time, but it's nice to have the option. Uh, you know, I'm doing good. I mean, I work, I work and I walk and, and if I couldn't, you know, play, I, I, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably have, of course, but yeah, uh, (laughs) Yeah. we're lucky for that. And you got, you know, as we all are, we're lucky that we can do that. Is the Montreal winter uh, a formidable one compared to say Toronto or wherever you were prior to that? Uh, I was in Toronto, and uh, last winter in Montreal was, by all accounts, quite mild. So I got off okay. easy. Uh, this year, it hasn't been too bad this year either. Um, what I will say is that it's typically 10 degrees colder here, but somehow uh, I find it much more tolerable than in Toronto. It's Interesting. Kind of- Todd, you've been across. I'm sure you guys all. You've been across this country enough times to know that Toronto and Montreal. We're talking still pretty mild compared to where, say, we're right right back in the. You know, well, we always say that, but I mean, we we always say that. But I've, I've, you know, managed to be in Montreal when it was the wrong time to be in Montreal. Oh yeah, in Toronto, freak occurrences. You know, it's like absolutely. But yeah, you're right. We know what we're dealing with it on the prairies when winter comes. We know what that's going to be. So when it happens, where where it's going to be plus three or something tomorrow, which is wow. unheard of in the middle of January. So that just means you're going to get hammered in in February. I, I can't well, imagine. I think it just means it's it's just somebody screwing with us, right? You know. Well, here you are. You can't go anywhere. So have some nice weather when you never have it before. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly. a good way to look at it. It's a good way to look at it. But yeah, Ray, here's a question. Oh, Got to ask a music question because um, I'm seeing all your gear here. I know we're talking about weather and stuff, but like, is all your gear back from tour? Is that what you have with you right now, or did your gear get held up, you know, because of COVID, or are all your keyboards with you right now? Everything is with me. My key, my my keyboards and my guitars. Um, yeah, that that would have been terrible. Basically, with Roger, uh, my setup is two Nord Stage Twos. One yeah. I take with me, the little one. And the other, we always get a back line. So, uh, no, I did not have to go a single day without my stuff, which uh, oh. is, is I'm so thankful for because I play it every sure. day. So, yeah, I mean, as our great. tools are required, it's, you know, you, you got to have them. And, and, uh, and uh, well, I see all your gear back there. I loved what you did with the recent soundscape. It was kind of a the Pink Floyd, Rick Wright kind of thing. Was that filmed right there? Thank you. No, that was filmed uh, in Toronto at my old house. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I haven't really got uh, the projector set up here yet. That's coming. Cool. For sure. So, so cool. what about you guys? Did you guys get uh, you know caught up with your gear getting getting stuck elsewhere? Mine's all in Vegas. I mean, I have a, a everything I need to do stuff here now, but I have a lot of stuff in Vegas right now. Really? It's been there for over well about a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah I, I, we've been. 
Well, I was fortunate to have everything, so I'm good. <laughs> Shane, where are you? Are, where are you? Where do you live? I'm in a suburb of Los Angeles called Simi Valley. It's just kind of on the outskirts of LA. I know Simi Valley for sure. Really? Well, for one thing, yeah, I know. Old I'm, folks, I, hated I know of Simi Valley. <laughs> What's that, Darren? It's a gated community with, uh, you know, all fake grass. Fake and grass. I don't know if you heard about the fake grass. <laughs> right, the fake grass. I did hear it. And that, that, was, uh, that was interesting and educational. Uh, Senior Valley, I know, I became aware of because when I did live in Los Angeles, I was there during uh, the riots. Oh, wow. wow. That, the riots, of course, resulted from largely from, you know, the whole OJ trial, which I watched every day. And, of course, that took sure. place in Simi Valley. But also our good friend uh, Fred Mandel, keyboard player extraordinaire, Elton John Queen, blah blah blah, sure. like every everything. Uh, he lives in Simi Valley too. Okay, wow, wow, yeah. So look go. him up. Look him up. He's a great there guy. You, you might, you well, might be neighbors. Yeah. You might be. Well, yeah. You'll have to send me some information later. Cool. I will. I will for sure. I mean, cool. I don't know him that well. Uh, <clears throat> when I was in LA a couple of years ago, I just I called him out of the blue and said, "Hey." I'd love to, you know, buy you lunch. I'd love to meet you and chat with you. And, and great cat, great cat. Awesome. Yeah. Ray, was the first time you had been in LA during like a touring situation, gigs, or had you gone there, you know, family or by yourself before that? Or uh, when I was about 13, my friend Attila uh, had some relatives in uh, San Gabriel. So uh, we went down there when we were, we were kids um, for, you know, a couple of weeks, whatever. Uh, so we were not in LA, but I got, I got a bit of a taste of California, which I loved. And I, I love California. And, um, when I decided to leave Toronto, it was going to be, you know, Los Angeles or, or Montreal, uh, Montreal is much more affordable. And, uh, you know, I am yeah. a Canadian, so, uh, it, you know, it made sense to come here, but I love California with all my heart. And when I first went there, uh, from the first time I went there, I felt at home. More than, probably more so than ever I did in Toronto, and the same with Montreal too. Wow! Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So, so Ray, you know, I Winnipeg to LA. Go ahead, Corey. I, I, I was going to say I, I moved from Winnipeg to LA just for that same feeling that you you had, Ray. Really? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Shane and and Corey would probably, you know, applaud that as well. Seeing you guys still live there. Right. Yeah, I mean, where I live, it's it's more suburban, so I'm not like right in the city, but I like it here because you know it's a little bit of kind of a my prairie roots are still with me. So if I get yeah. into places where it's too congested, I freak out. But LA is a bit of a jungle, you know. Yeah, sure. But I'm close. I can get there in like 45 minutes. You know, cool. Pretty much anywhere. So it's perfect. I can get to the beach in 30 minutes. I can be in the mountains. Like just ride up the hill and I'm in the mountains for mountain biking. So it works out great for me. It's beautiful. Totally. It's, it's an amazing place. So I was just going to say, Corey. Ray, um, you've played with so many different people. Um, Corey Hart, Kim Mitchell, of course, Honeyman Sweet, and Roger Hodson, Hodgson, who's a lead singer for Super Trap. Uh, and I just wanted to kind of know how it all got started when you were a kid, like did you have supportive parents who were into music? Uh, did you have friends that put you on that track or? 
There were two main things, Corey. Uh, number one, uh, I have two. I have three brothers. Two of them are um, fantastic musicians. The the hmm. my eldest brother is ten years. Paul is ten years older than me. Hmm. Uh, my next oldest, Brian, is five years older than me. So Paul kind of passed shit down to Brian and Brian kind of passed it on to me, but both of them together have been a huge influence for me and an inspiration. Uh, and also, uh, my parents were in the dance hall business. Hmm. That's um, right. Key to Ballet, right? Key to Ballet. Yeah. And before yeah. that, a place in Aurelia called the PAV, which was very similar, a little smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, and that was, um, my parents aren't musicians, but they love it. They love the scene. They love music. And so for them, it was kind of like being in, in music, you know, and they really, and, right. and it, the reason I say that is because running a place like the key, for instance, is a, is a labor of love. Uh, you sure. really, really got to be into it to do it. So uh, yeah, those two things, my older brothers and, and being around those environments, uh, it didn't take long. Did you have a, did you have a band with your brothers at all or? No, you know, we never have. And uh, people ask us that all the time, uh, especially my family, my relatives, because my mom's one of one, te- uh, one of 10 kids. So wow. I have a lot of relatives. Wow. It's a big Italian family, believe it or not. Look wow. at me. But um, <laughs> everyone always asks that question. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, if we if we would be able to stand each other long enough to have a band, but I really want to, I really want to do some recording with them. And, uh, I really want to try blending our voices, you know, the brother thing, right? Yeah. So I, I still hope to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's going to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it interesting? Like a, an interesting conversation. Cause we always talk about keyboards. We don't have a keyboard player and, uh, until now because Ray, Ray just joined the band. I don't know if you guys know yeah. this or not, but that's happening right now. Uh, <laughs> We actually really need you, but um, uh, it's one of those things that I always think about because in the advent of there's no other position in a band than a keyboard player that has to kind of roll with technology. You know what I mean? Like drums are drums. Obviously, things have changed. Guitars are guitars and amp are amps, but and that has changed in its own way. But it's keyboards that are on a constant. You know what I mean? Like what you probably started out on is so different than where you are now. Right? Where back in the day, you'd see guys with you know, with like an organ and a, and a Fender Rhodes and a, like it was a bunch of different pieces. And then all of a sudden you you go to a club and you'll see some guy just stand there with the, the X frame one keyboard, all of it in one thing. Um, <laughs> where are you with, within that world? Like, did you, have you, obviously you have to be so ahead of the curve when these, te- when the, the swings come in like that. Yeah. Well, I've always uh, somewhat kept up on it, but uh, I, I go for, uh, you know, I do like the old school, stuff i mean you know if i could if i could have always afforded to have a b3 and a Rhodes, uh, you know i had a sure. electric yamaha electric grand and stuff um i do love that stuff you know i had you know a whirlies whatever i've had in many moments. most importantly where do you stand on the keytar <laughs> well um i think that uh i could lie and say i've never tried one but some some honeymoon videos might uh give that away <laughs> um it was kind of you know uh, i've it's been an there. underrated guilty. it's underrated yeah, yeah of course yeah but did you ever do the like the cinderella swinging around your neck thing like the guitars now, that would be I a move not do that because you know it wasn't wireless for one thing that's right. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, you would tear a whole bunch of things. Down yeah. yeah. But yeah. there was a time in Honeymoon Suite where uh, I had that going, and, you know, we would all do, like, the rock thing. We'd all stand with one sure. foot on the monitor in front of the stage and rock out. Sure. Yeah. You know, 
I would be disappointed if you didn't, frankly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to do everything right once. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Try it. Yeah. yeah. Now, but it is really... I was going to say, I do really, because we're talking about Honeymoon Suite, I do think that the keyboard part in a Honeymoon Suite band, which is, mm -hmm. we've always said, the template of so many great and specifically Canadian bands that we love and grew up on are always keyboard heavy. Yeah, you know, right. Guitar, bass, drums, keyboard heavy. And, and right. not just accompaniment, but major parts, integral parts to songs. <clears throat> it's, great than, it's, it's rather than the second guitar player, it's a keyboard player. Whether it's like right. Loverboy, Streetheart, mm -hmm. uh, Harlequin, Honeymoon uh, uh, Sweet, uh, it just goes. The list goes on and on and on. Awesome. That we would uh, Haywire, like all these bands that we would always kind of go. You know, we'd always go. It's so interesting that that is a very specific, not not just to Canada, but a lot of our favorite bands have this same kind of lineup. You know what I mean? That's a really interesting. I've never thought about it in terms of uh, if it is a Canadian thing or not. But uh, yeah, those are all those bands you mentioned. Great keyboards. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but I mean, just on the strong point of having uh, that extra melody factor in so many bands that was maybe really important in a, in a certain time frame too, when keyboards really got good, even though the right. the, the the more um, organic, you know, uh, whirlies and, and organs and stuff in the 60s and 70s, but in the 80s. And I think all those things that you kind of brought into some some big hit songs for me you know the first honeymoon suite record when i heard it those were some really great parts that they kind of hold their own today you know like i don't think there's a lot of uh you know sonically where it's something like it it they all sort of there was a lot of texture and a lot of cool parts and a lot of great somebody put thought into the sounds which obviously was you and making a, a you know a colorscape to those those cool tunes yeah, uh, well, thank you very much for one. And um, yeah, I'm I'm big on sounds. Um, in, and it, when I'm doing a sideman gig, uh, I'm I'm pretty crazy about it. Like I will, I will just go and go at it until you know. I like to joke um, that if I if I learn a record, I'll, I'll learn it closer than the record. So <laughs> my joke to fame, but I, I'm I am really into that, and and a lot of it has to do with. Uh, just honoring, uh, if it's not something that, that's my record, you know, honoring those great records. And I've been so lucky because all those bands you mentioned that I played with, they were all fantastic. You know, the artists and the bands, I've, I've been incredibly fortunate. Uh, and the music was great. Um, and you have to honor that. You have to really get down and, and leave no stone unturned. So I, I really am about that. I'm a bit crazy like that, though, really. I, I've, been known to spend, uh, I've been known to spend, uh, uh, you know, weeks on bars, on like a few That's bars. <laughs> it, so you, really, you really can't spend a lot of time in keyboard land. Like, I know myself when I'm doing productions in the studio here, I can have guitar bass and sort of a program drum for a demo thing in like half a day and it's like ah oh, some keyboards might be nice in this and then you're just like paging through sounds this one this one samples this one right. this one and you can go like a whole week just trying to find that that perfect sound yeah well you know i usually make them i i, I mean okay I, you, you know you often will start with 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 a preset but um Pretty much any sound you hear, if you hear me playing in Roger's gig or any of those gigs, it's, you know, I mean, the, the organ sounds may be presets that you tweak and the piano sounds may be presets that you tweak, but the synth stuff, uh, 
I, I make it. I like to make it. And that cool. comes from the old school. That comes from, you know, a mini Moog is a great laboratory. You learn what an oscillator is and a filter. And, right. you know, and I'm really grateful that I am of a certain vintage mm. <laughs> old enough. Mm -hmm. that, you know, I came up with that and uh, a lot of younger cats uh, 10 years later, whatever, they came along when digital was happening and uh, they missed out on that. You know, that brings up a good point, And somebody is asking the same question. Um, what were your influences growing up? I mean, it's it's one thing, you know, we've talked a lot to, you know, rock guitar players, singers, and obviously there's the there's the staples. So what were your influences growing up? Uh, you know, who influenced you into one songwriting and as a keyboardist? Uh, my influences um are i i was again so so lucky because my brothers uh w were really hip they had great taste they had great record collections and when i when i was a really little kid you know the house was full of you know beatles zeppelin stones doors jethro tull genesis uh all that shit yes so all of that stuff was uh what i was weaned on um well, you know, which is good stuff. It's 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 a good. Some guys like I, a lot of keyboard players. In fact, most keyboard players I think are educated. They they've studied music. They've studied jazz classes. Sure. I can't. I couldn't read it. I couldn't read a note to save my life. So I really? learned from. Uh, mm. I learned from those records. And uh, really, I think if I have anything that sets me apart as a keyboard player is that really I'm a, I'm a guitar player and a drummer. Frustrated guitar player and a drummer mm. on the inside. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, all those bands were my favorite. As far as keyboard players go, in no particular order, um, Keith Emerson, of course, Terry Watkinson of Max Webster. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah. Terry Watkinson yeah. is so brilliant, such a genius. Um, yeah. uh, just incredible. Um, you know, Rick Wakeman was great. Uh, Chickaria, stuff like that. But uh, oh, I'll tell you, my two people ask me, my favorite keyboard players, two of my favorite keyboard players are Pete Townsend and Paul McCartney. Hmm. Wow. wow, that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Think yeah. about that. You don't think about that stuff. Think about who's next and all that great keyboard shit. And you know, Paul mm. McCartney, let it be. Hey, Jude. I mean, right. that to yeah. me is the real deal, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's really interesting because that because you're when you say that the inventiveness of say, towns and when he started messing around with synthesizers and stuff and really kind of creating it does create a whole other thing because often you know. You can sort of do almost anything once you get into the world of keyboards and start creating these new sounds. Did you ever kind of get into like sort of the more when it's the industrial stuff or say the synth pop thing started to introduce itself, Depeche Mode, you know, that kind of stuff when it started to be really heavy synthesizer stuff? Or were you always into kind of more organic music per se? I would say uh, more, I would say, yeah, more organic. I, I wasn't uh, into really Depeche Mode. I feel, I feel uncool, you know, because everyone's into Depeche Mode or whatever. I wasn't one of them. Uh, it was more the uh, organic. Which one of you guys is barking? <laughs> I'm going to fix that. I'll be right back. You can just mute your mic. Just mute your mic for now. It's good to just hear a dog. I, I'm, I'm so starved yeah. for dog love. And it's just Dogs good to hear awesome. a dog. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Ray, uh, yeah. curious. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Just, Go ahead, Shane. Without, without last question, though, uh, one thing I did get into is uh, that I do. Uh, Brent had mentioned some of the uh, 
visual audio visual stuff i do so i have a thing called smash hitley which is a one band yeah one man thing mm -hmm. uh which consists of me and two beautiful go-go dancers that's the deal in you know <laughs> a big screen uh cool. so with that i i got a little you know a little more into the technical the kind of not it wasn't tech it wasn't uh it wasn't techno but i went i went down there a little bit that's the extent if you, what are your if, what are your you thoughts on our keyboard go ahead if you join our band, will you bring the go-go dancers with you? Uh, <laughs> sure, sure. I will. If you, that's what I got to do talked, to get in. Then, then, yeah, I'll do it. We did talk about this, though, because we, Todd and I and yourself, we did a gig in Ontario in 2014 together. Right. And you were with Kim. Kim yes. Mitchell. Great And we day. did Flash and Aerosmith, yeah. and it was and a big day. But I know we had a good hang backstage and I, yeah. if I recall, we had discussed, and this was before we were Took official, but we had been doing gigs under the umbrella of Took. And I think we kind of discussed if we were to get a keyboard player, you were already in the pipeline. Well, I don't Absolutely. know if you remember, but I was trying to work it that day with you, Brent. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, no, you, you gotta, you gotta. I already talked to Todd about it. Yeah. And like Shane, I remember Shane. I mean, Shane and I have just met now. Uh, happily. But uh, like I said, a couple years ago, he posted something. Uh, and I was just like, I just sent a message. I was like, I, I have to be involved in this. I must insist. So, and you know, well, I just say, so you know, uh, your, you guys band like Tuke is just so cool. It's amazing. And I'm a huge thank fan. You. It's great. You know, if you do Ray, I just want to say it's going to, as, as talented as you are, there's going to be a cape involved. You're going to have the keyboard player. That full Greg Jafria from Angel kind of, you know, Wait. Keith Emerson, Rick Wakeman thing, you, that whole thing. You know, I hope you never see a picture, but I had a coat which was pretty much a cape at one time in Honeymoon Suite, and uh, I, it didn't last long, thankfully. And I, I, I <laughs> It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I remember Roger Manning, Roger Manning from uh, Jellyfish used to have this kind of, they kind of look like the Gene Simmons, like 70s right. bat wings, you know, but he would play with that. And it looked, it looked ridiculously awesome. You know, you're like, yeah, he pulled it off because he's Ray, crazy, right? Really not, to, yeah. not, not to divert, but I'm still curious without getting too geeky. Like I'm noticing back there, I'm not seeing a B3 or anything, but I'm assuming you can do everything you need on that rig that's set up behind you pretty much. Right. Uh, yeah. I can do anything on that rig. In fact, so, it's a little redundant. I could do anything with a little less than that. Although, you know, there, there is nothing like a real, a real B, but right. I, I can make it sound pretty much. I'm, I'm curious to know what it is you use. I mean, I'm like an Omnisphere MIDI keyboard player. Like, wow, that sounds amazing. What if I do this? But is there like some software stuff that, Synth saw a soft soft sense that you prefer or you use or I'm sure you have everything but no I don't you know what? Break? my way of being old school with all this digital gear is that I don't use soft synths I I, okay. I am a hardware guy interesting um, I, you know I mean I, I've I've gone there I've I've checked some stuff out um, I don't know I don't believe I've ever had to use any uh, so no I'm I'm about the tactile. You know, I'm, it's old school. It's as old school as you can get mm -hmm. with new gear. So right. that's what mm -hmm. I'm really about. Uh, as, you know, as much as there's all, so much great uh, software stuff out there. Mm -hmm. 
No, well, I'm I sure, that. like anything, as as you much know, as you want to stay authentic, technology has made it just so convenient to have this new stuff, which is so much easier to move around, and obviously, exactly. you know, easier to travel with for sure. So, right, totally. it's true. But you know, I mean, th- there's nothing like, you know, there's nothing like a Les Paul. There's nothing like a B3, right. whatever. It's, I I wish I had a B back there, uh, Shane. Um, mm. But I, don't. I bet your neighbor. I bet your neighbors are happy you don't have a B3 back. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so, for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's it's good. With that stuff, I can do pretty much anything. Yeah, it's amazing, That's isn't awesome. it, the technology. I want to ask about Roger Hodgson because yes, my earliest influences and exposure to pop music was definitely Supertramp and ABBA mm-hmm. and Neil Diamond, everything that my uncles and my, my dad had in the record collection. So... I'm curious to know, do you get to play Whirly Sounds with Roger? Uh, in our show, Roger's doing all the Whirly stuff. Okay, I thought so. Uh, actually, yeah. I might do. I do a couple of. I do a couple of little things um, where he's playing guitar. But um, it's funny about Roger, man. That guy. And by the way, um, you know, I, I mentioned my brothers and their influence, whatever. Super Tramp. It, it's. It's so crazy that I got to play with Roger because Supertramp really is in my DNA and mm-hmm. musical DNA. And when I, you know, my, my brother's music was my music, thankfully. Uh, but Supertramp was the first one that I kind of really latched onto all on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Crime, Crime of Century came out in uh in september 74 i know that because i just looked it up yesterday and i was 11 years old and uh i got into it probably about a year after and it just instantly it you know it just became a part of me you know there that music it's it's so good so good. Um, part yeah. of what part of why we do this show too is a lot of people are listening and you guys are talking and you know we sometimes get a little too in depth and you know assuming that everybody knows but can you describe what that process is somebody's saying what it what whirly is oh <laughs> uh, what a whirly is oh, come what on laurie get in the game just kidding <laughs> a whirly is, is the Wurlitzer piano classic uh of course uh, probably made most famous by super tramp but you know on so many uh great old r&b soul records um um just it, it's it's like a fender Rhodes. If, if if you don't know what a whirly is you probably don't know what a fender Rhodes. <laughs> it's electric um, piano it's yeah. an electric piano, which instead of having strings like a piano, it's got these little tines in it. So it's like it's mm-hmm. like a mini xylophone inside. Um, but yeah, amazing instruments, very expressive. So if you if everybody knows the song "Dreamer," Dreamer, uh, yeah. all that piano that happens in behind that you hear, that's a whirly, and it's that's a whirly. Yeah. Yes, it's and all have- over Super Trap stuff. Yes, uh, it's all over Supertramp stuff and, uh, you know, Bloody Well Right and all that. And I have to say, um, Roger, you know, Roger plays that stuff like no one, like if anyone could, could duplicate exactly what he's doing, I think I could do it. But I don't ah. think anyone can duplicate. Like, it's insane. I mean, Roger's really? so good. Roger is, uh, is just so frighteningly good. And like, on the guitar, on, you know, his singing, of course. But when he's doing that whirly stuff, man, it's, uh, it's, I'm shaking my head as I'm talking about it. What a gift. Not good. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, how does that, how does that come up? Because when we're talking about all the Corey Hart, 
you know, Partland Brothers, all these different gigs that you've done. I'm like, okay, this all makes sense to me as far as like, we're all Canadian. You live in the Toronto area. These gigs sort of present themselves. And then Roger comes along and I kind of go, okay, now how did this happen? I know, I know what's your connection to Roger and how that, where's Rogers? Is he still based out of England or where, where is Roger? No, Roger, Roger's been in the States for a long time. He's, he's based in California and Florida. Uh, Okay. So uh, my connection to Roger was Kevin Adamson, who was my predecessor and who's my friend and a great keyboard player uh, and a great singer. Uh, Is he Canadian? He's Canadian. He's a Toronto boy. Okay. Uh, So uh, Kevin, I guess a year or so before he, he decided to leave, he had called me to ask me about subbing in on a South American tour. Pardon me, because uh, he and his then new wife, they wanted to start a family. And his doctor said, don't go down there right now because of Zika. You guys are. Mm-hmm. So Kevin, you know, said, would you be interested? And I was like, hell yeah, I'd be interested. So I sent some stuff. Now, just, to, just to be clear, Zika is the is the evil overlord in Scientology. Is that correct? Anybody? <laughs> Zika. Actually, Jesus, that would be. That Sounds would be similar to. to go. No, I think that guy's name Sorry. is just Ron. Yeah. Elron. 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 Okay. Elron Ziku. Sorry. Go carry on. Well, the connection was Kevin Adamson. Uh, so he he uh, asked me if I'd be into that, and so I, you know, we went there. And in the end, Roger ended up getting an LA guy to do it. It, it was a short. I think it was maybe three weeks or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Kevin decided to leave, I guess you know I was already I guess on Roger's radar. And uh, then you know again, me being a super fortunate, um, some people in his orbit said, you know, you should you should call this guy. He he he's, he'd be the guy the guy to, to get. So there was no prior connection. It, it is funny of- how it is funny how when when you sub for a gig, you are immediately like the guy that will get the call if the guy you're subbing for decides to step down. It's just a weird always thing. True. So you always have to, you always have to be careful about who you sub yourself out for because that guy, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Might not be, he might be not as annoying as I am. And the next thing you know, that guy's going <laughs> to, well, no, we, but we, Kevin, we, you know, Kevin that even said that. Phil, I mean, Kevin's yeah. a sweet guy. And, you know, he said, I realize that, you know, exactly what you said, Todd, I realize that when you sub a gig out, you know, you may lose the gig. And, um, to be honest, I, I was, you know, the Roger gig was on my radar, for obviously, for obvious reasons, for a long time. Um, and if if it had not been Kevin, if it had been some guy I didn't know and didn't, you know, wasn't a, a, a beautiful cat, I, I might have, you know, I might have made a few calls earlier. But um, yeah, there you go. But yeah. Kevin, didn't you Kevin's sub a out a few guy. gigs for Brent last tour? <laughs> yeah. Shane, Shane yeah. subbed for Brent on uh, that tour last. Uh, you know what was that? A couple yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, Seems like a couple so, years ago. So now, you guys, what happened there? Did you guys work that out? It's uh, well, it's the power of the referral. But that's the same thing. Uh, we're all friends here in Tuke, and it's ironic, but not ironic, that two members who are regularly in the band and two members from this band who also subbed in the band. So I know there it is, Ray. It's just the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And isn't it great when you don't know you're going to get a call for a, yeah. a big gig, but it usually comes from a referral. Like the audition is less than the, the, you know, someone, you know, 
telling someone how great you are and you don't even know that you're going to get a call about a Roger Hodgson gig, right? Right. Well, there's a lot of power to the vouch. You know, if you vouch for somebody, and this is and this is part of the, you have to be careful who, who you vouch for. Because we vouch for a guy, great, and he's great, but you didn't know he had that terrible drinking problem or whatever it is. But <laughs> so, yeah. right. so that's part of the thing. But I mean, when it, you know, in 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 almost every. It's the Donnie Brasco them. scenario, right? Because if it backfires, you're the one to pay the price. Right. Exactly. You vouch for him? Yeah. Because if you vouch for somebody, you, I assume if it's somebody, anybody here that I'm looking at, if you guys said you should get this guy, I would just assume he's he's the guy. You know what I mean? Um, right. That doesn't mean you shouldn't probably listen to him or whatever, but I'm sure the three weeks in South America was pretty much your your trial by fire, and I'm sure you came out the other side. No, and Roger I didn't was do like, the three weeks, though. Oh, you didn't do oh, it. Right, that's right. right. No, that's right. I, so no, that put me on Roger's radar. But in the end, uh, you know, I, I I don't know why he went with the other cat, but he did. He, and the other guy wasn't really like a rock musician like we are. He was more of a studio guy, and I think he does a lot of film stuff. So. Um, um. I don't know if it was if it was as good a fit as as myself or Kevin. Clearly, uh, frankly, I'll be that guy. He, he wasn't he wasn't a good fit because he's not there. You're there. See there. That's the that's how that works. Yeah. Uh, I guess Brian, so. Brian yeah. is asking. Brian is asking one of our viewers, and he's asking, uh, "What was it like? Were you were you nervous first time you played? Uh, you know, is it how, how do you step into a gig like that? I mean, obviously you had been doing a lot of things beforehand, but what was it like the first time you played with Roger?" Uh, the, you know, the, the playing is the easy part and it's always been that way with me. And, you know, here's another thing as a keyboardist, um, if it's a keyboard heavy gig, it, it takes a lot to get together. And, you know, I, mm. I want to say more than perhaps guitar or drum <clears throat> or bass because you're making sounds. There's just so much stuff, right? Uh, right. and it's coming from all over. So, um, yeah, when I, when you know when it finally happened i knew i was going to do it i was just uh i i was i went crazy working on it like i almost killed myself working on it and then i went to belgium and we started rehearsals but what i was going to say is that rehearsals are the hard part getting on stage is the easy part like rehearsals i went to belgium and here i was all of a sudden far from home with uh I didn't know anyone there. It was a bunch of people. I did not know any of them. And um, thankfully, they turned out to all be really beautiful people. But um, that was hard. And, uh, you know, I, it was a big adjustment for Roger because Kevin had been with him um, for a long time. Kevin and the original sax player, Aaron, uh, had been with Roger since he, start, since he started having a band again. And mm -hmm. so it was a huge adjustment for Roger. And I think, you know, it was kind of freaking him out a bit. So sure. me and Michael came along, Michael, the sax player, you know, and we are different animals than the other two guys. So it, it, sure. it, it took a bit of, uh, of happening, but you know what? Um, when you hit the, when you hit the stage, that's, that's the easy part because everything, yeah. everything in your life, the adrenaline, but just everything you've done, every hour you spent in the basement or whatever, it's easy when you hit the stage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, just to back, and just to backpedal a little bit, um, our buddy Andrew here had the reason you were wondering why, you know, maybe he, you know, decided to go with somebody else at the time other than yourself. And uh, I think here. <laughs> uh, the other that's, guy. A, that's, a, that's a very smart guy right there andrew Trevor. he knows nice the power of the cape. andrew i thought i told you 
<laughs> so in case you were wondering, I mean that that you can you can stop banging your head against the wall wondering why. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have like now n- next week you're going to have like a Lando Lando Calrissian closet full of capes? I know it. <laughs> That's right. It's true. Oh God, could you see me in a cape now with my big bald head? Gotta do it. You gotta do it. Jeez, uh, Ray. It could I be think, a big Canadian uh, flag. Yeah, I, I yeah. Like, and a headset. Yeah, and a headset. Like you got to have a headset. Yeah. yeah. How about American Bandstand? You had a good look that day. Maybe that was uh, sunglasses. Maybe there's a precursor for your Corey Hart working with him. But I thought you got the most cheers when Dick Clark introduced you on uh, on wow. uh, American really? Bandstand. You actually saw they. You actually, of course, footage. I, 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 I used to love that. Back, I, it was very rare to see canadian bands that i knew on american bandstand first time i saw chilliwack was on american bandstand before i actually heard right. the band i saw amazing. my girl amazing yeah and i saw you guys and I, brian adams i remember i think Loverboy too but but I, I love how dick clark would go around and quickly talk to everybody in the band but when he int- right. when he introduced you there was a little bit more it sounded like a little female Woo! you go watch wow. that that's because yeah. he made the sample on his keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. Good look. Every time you bolstering my ego. Mm-hmm. You got the Beatles 1962 sample. Yeah. You can't find the footage uh, from the performance, though. You can only find the interview stuff. That's so weird. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, that's it's, true. it's all clipped from YouTube. You can't go see, you know, the songs. You can only see the interviews. But it's up there on mm-hmm. YouTube, too. Anyway, that's so cool that you did Dick Clark, though. That's like that's such a connection to like that whole you know next level of what that was. Yeah, was that your first gig in L.A. like that tour, which was what Jethro Tull and you guys? Yeah, which you know, which speaking of thrilling things, you know, I was weaned on Jethro Tull, so uh, a very unlikely um, matchup, honeymoon suite opening for Jethro Tull, but we opened on our first record on it, on their whole North American tour, except Toronto. Really? That was uh, really interesting. Yeah. It was, you know, for me, I mean, if you were to ask me what's, you know, the highlight, it's hard to say one, but that's undoubtedly one of them. And we mm-hmm. did like 30 shows with them, uh, at, you know, probably around 30 shows. And I, I always, every night, went out and watched the whole show. It was just so good. And then to get to know them, you know, to get to know, um, to get to know them and be friends with them, and um, you know, just just hang, you know, small chat, whatever. One time we were playing at the uh, Buffalo Odd, and I would always, you know, go in the day and like grab something, grab a keyboard, and go in the dressing room and play. And one day, Ian Anderson walked in accidentally. And uh, started to turn to, it's like, oh, sorry. And then started to leave. And then he came back in and just started telling me this story. And I don't remember what the story was, but it was just incredible. It's like, here's this guy telling me this funny story. And it's just he and I. And it was, it was a thrill. Wow. Yeah. You know, Ian Anderson's daughter, strangely enough, is married to Andrew Lincoln from The, the Walking Dead, the actor Andrew Lincoln. His daughter really? is, yeah, I just watched this. Uh, there's a great series on, on Amazon. It's, uh, um, what's his name? Norman Reedus has a motorcycle show where he just rides motorcycles and does stuff. And one he does with uh, with Andrew, and they end up at Ian's castle or whatever, you know. Like, and it was like it was this really crazy moment. Why is he there? And it's oh, his Andrew's wife. It was like it was a very interesting thing to see because uh, you know because we know the connection when it comes to, to guys like like Ian. It's like those are that royalty level of that yeah. English rock and roll thing, you know, Absolutely. About, the thing. how cool that. So that led to, um, 
well, the record following, and you guys had Ian on your record. That's right. Uh, we had Ian on our second record. Yeah. So talk about so cool. Crazy. Um, and uh, he, you know, he, I think one of us asked why, why, you know, why don't you play on more people's records? And he said, because people never ask me. Huh. Uh, unbelievably. He said, no, and then nobody ever asks me. So uh, <laughs> shortly after, though, he also played on, um, I think, was it Men Without Hats? Okay. Oh, wow. I didn't on, know that. Wow. He played on another Canadian band after, after ours, yeah. So huh. if he played on your record, you would have been, that's the record you did with um, Bruce Fairburn and Bob Rock, right? That's right. So was he, did, did he, well, I, I, all those records are real important. I know Corey and I are big, big, big fans of the big prize. Probably oh, yeah. one good. of my favorite so songs of all time, all of them on that record, but you know, feel it again. But so all along you knew was the track that Ian did, but so did, how did that happen? He comes to Vancouver or? No, actually how that happened was that uh, both the first two records were mixed at the farmyard. Uh, in England, really famous place, Rupert. Okay. It was Rupert Hines' studio, essentially. Ah, cool. Well, you know, he was he was the main guy. I mean, all, all those great Saga records were made there. Mm -hmm. uh, all, just uh, the fix, a lot of great, great stuff. And it, wow, it was such a great place. It was just uh, like maybe a forty-five minute train ride out of London, and and it was a farm. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful old farmhouse and this great studio. Uh, so both of our records were. Um, mixed there and ian came in at the last minute during the mixing on uh the big prize and i actually wasn't there i was there for the first mixing session and then um johnny and derry went back and uh and bruce and bob and that's when ian did his thing so i wasn't mm, actually cool. in the studio but mm. uh that was yeah what a thrill did bob mix uh, the big prize um well no i mean Wait a second. Did Steven Ta did Steven Taylor mix the record? Hmm. Steven Taylor, I thought mixed our first record. I should know this. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the answer. Uh, okay. But I can say that uh, he and Bruce were. I mean, talking about probably come up fortune, in the comments any any second now. So someone will be. I've watched uh, a few uh, really great Bob Rock interviews lately because he's actually been a little more vocal, you know, publicly and talking, telling stories and whatnot. Right. And, really. uh, yeah. I've been down so many rabbit holes with these great, you know, podcasts and he's talked about, it seems like that record, the honeymoon suite, the big prize record was important because, well, obviously you worked with the, the duo of Bruce Fairburn and Bob rock, but right. that was pre slippery when wet it the was bon Jovi record they did. Immediately before Slippery When Wet. Uh, in fact, I, I remember that um, right before I left the band the first time in 86, we were playing at Expo in Vancouver and uh, Bob and Bruce came out and Bruce was saying, or I think Bruce came out anyway, and he was saying, yeah, the guys, the guys in Bon Jovi really dig your record. And they also have a song that's got, you know, the line shot through the heart, whatever, because we had a song <laughs> with that lyric that Johnny wrote. So, uh, yeah, he was immediately How's out. How's that lawsuit coming now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that probably the Bon Jovi record. Well, wait a second. Yeah, Bruce did. Did Bruce do the Bon Jovi record too? Oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I think yeah, that, that did, was yeah. probably the last time they were a team. Perhaps I think mm. so. I think Bob, went, Bob did Rock, his own thing of that. Yeah, right. he did say that the Bon Jovi guys really honed in on that record you guys did and really liked it. He so did. Eh? He cool. absolutely said it was an important record for those guys. They wanted it, their stuff to sound 
like yours. So, mm. I mm. mean, cool. And I, and you know, I, I do listen to my favorite records, you know, on and off over and over. And I always come back to that record. I mean, I love even monsters in the closet was, was great too, but um, I think that record, because people who might like Bon Jovi and might not, maybe people, sorry, dogs, but we got lots of you know fans around the world who might not have heard you know some of those records. But if anyone's watching and listening and knows we did obviously New Girl Now, one of your songs from the first record, but right. that record is so good. That's a great sounding record. It is. Yeah, yeah. it's and that's a it's great tune. I mean, I, I, I think it's yeah. probably my favorite. I even sweet song right there. Hmm. It's funny, you know, that's a good example of like how you can jam though. And I remember back in the day when we were, when I was playing in bands, we would play, say, New Girl Now. And when you play New Girl Now without the keyboard parts, it's a cool tune. Like it's really sure. rock, kind of straight guitar rock. But I, yeah. now, we, we would all talk about that in this group alone. Without your parts, even the addition of that piano, kind of, you know, just in, in that second verse, that, that sort of like, you know, real tension. It was like that just lifts that whole section. You know, so it really says something about that 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 layering and that sort of like the spices and and cherry on top of what the keyboards really can do within the context of a well. And a it's pop, amazing how an, song. amazing how infectious that is True. too, because you'll you'll hear people when when a lot of times people will you know when it's when it's there and it's complete, you know they just walk through it, but you notice it when it's missing. So when it's you, know, missing, you, exactly. you you guys are a perfect example of that. Obviously, doing a lot of songs that require keyboards, and of course, you're playing them and you're making do, and you're you're doing what you have to do. But yeah, sometimes those songs, those are the parts. Those are the ones that, you know, those are the ones that are are ingrained in your brain. That you know, when you hear them and you hear them again without, you just know that something's different. Something's not right. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, and that, and that and that is. I mean, that's that's a you know a compliment to to all the parts. I mean, like you said, especially in, in that era of music where it was it was such. And like you said, you know, follow up to Bon Jovi, another you know keyboard heavy band, and and some of those songs like your own. It's just you, you can't you can't do them without. You know, it's just one of those. Bon Jovi is the right. Bon Jovi is the American equivalent of the front guy, guitar player, bass player, drummer, keyboard player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you know, it's just yeah, you know, thing. Todd. When we, it's funny because early on, before Bon Jovi became so big, we were kind of in very similar orbits. Uh, you know, Johnny, both singers are Johnny. You know, there was a lot of similarities there, um, and you know, we we they were in our on our radar. I, I don't know if we were uh, on their radar at the time, but um, it was. It was really like, you know, you're right. We were like the Canadian or they were the American honeymoon suite. We were the Canadian uh, Bon Jovi, whatever. And then, you know, slippery when wet happened. And, uh, well, do you think, do you think, thinking of that, do you think Johnny D should have made a pasta sauce like, like John Bon Jovi has? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> should have what? Say that again? John Bon Jovi has a pasta sauce now. I don't know if you guys know that. Oh, no. Maybe, okay, maybe we got to John- go is, is it a pasta sauce or a pasta, pasta sauce? Pasta sauce. Exactly. Pasta. Maybe. Maybe, so maybe Johnny, Johnny D should have, you know, he really missed an opportunity there. And, and again, and again we can't make assumptions. We, we continue to make assumptions. To anybody listening, Slippery When Wet was an album released by Bon Jovi. In case you didn't know that, you got to go back and check that out. Yeah, they're yeah, that's a good record. Massive, <laughs> yeah, it's massive. a real, it's a real underground. Uh, you got to search for it. You really got a lot of deep cuts. A lot of deep cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on who? <laughs> yeah, Bon <laughs> who? 
Let's the, talk the, about the, the critics liked it, but the you know didn't. Yeah, really yeah exactly. Yeah. Hundred percent. Let's talk it's about it's because John so so ugly. I think that was yeah. He problem. was just so ugly. Yeah. That <laughs> hair. Oh, that hair. Um, let's talk it, about it. feel it again because you feel wrote that back. song. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it probably is my favorite honeymoon sweet song up Thank there you. with burning and love. I love those two songs. Thank you. And, uh, and, and actually I want to ask you another question based on that. Like what, what keyboard did you use on the beginning of burning in love? Do, 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 do. It's an Oberheim OBSX. Okay. Wow. Wow. Such Boy. a great sound. And once again, sound. like, like uh, Darren was saying, that is totally the signature of that song. When you hear that right. before anything else happens, people go nuts. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They do, and I have to say that Derry, Derry, that was Derry's idea. He was like, "Do, do this, do a blah blah blah." And so, you know, that yeah. really did come from Derry. Good Derek. call, good call. So, anyway, going going over to feel it again now, um, because you wrote that without any other input. How did that come about? And was that a song you had back in your catalog from before, or was it just like I'm going to write a song for the new album and here it is? No, I, I wrote it for the new album, and uh, when I first, you know, when I first joined Honeymoon Suite, which was early on, like we were a cover band. Um, it was very early on. We were a cover mm -hmm. band, like and like we, we had an eye. We, we we wanted to become a recording band, but you know, we were playing week long gigs at this Queens Hotel in this town and this Queens Hotel in this town, whatever. Um, and uh, you know, Derry had already been in songwriting for for a while um and you know he's a, he's a bit older than i am he's a few years older than i um and uh, you know when the whole thing came together um i i had written music since since i started playing music when i was like nine or ten years old but uh that experience the honeymoon suite experience um really tuned me into songwriting and uh you know when i first joined um not too long after man Derry just started going at it and like turning these songs out and most of which ended up being our first record and that was uh, both inspiring and educational for me but i mean I, I i had my own thing going on too but in terms of making it a sustain a succinct pop song uh that was you know that was something that I learned over the course of, of pre first album, then first album, and then going into the second album. So no, I just, uh, I just would go in the rehearsal hall every day alone. And, uh, it just, you know, the great ones just come out. They come out of you. It's like Roger says that too. You know, if you try and compliment Roger on his songs, he'll say, well, they just came through me. And I've heard some yeah. people say that, right? Um, this may be the answer you're looking for to the previous question. I don't know is this if there's truth to this, but mm. we're going with uh, we're going with Grimm's answer. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. Okay. Garth was involved? I don't remember Garth's name being on there. Cool. Wow. On the on the, yeah. Okay, so Big Prize was mixed by Steven Taylor. Thank you, Graham. Uh, so Fairburn with Rock and Fraser. Yeah, yes, of course, Mike Fraser. Um, and Garth Richardson was involved uh, in the first record as well because he was at Phase 1. He did some stuff on the first record. And um, was he was he involved in the second record? Maybe your your audience can tell me that i'm yeah, not exactly I mean, garth yeah. and garth uh and Derry and dave Beck. and attila wants to say hi he's telling me he's like hey include your guests so we, you know here he is. <laughs> and there's, attila 
Here's Attila Demjan, my my childhood friend who uh, was one time drummer for Lee Aaron, among other things. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, wow. Um, so anyway, yeah, Garth. Hey, hey, buddy, how are you? Garth, uh, Garth goes back to Dave Betts, Derry, and Garth, and many other people go back to Fanshawe College. So they knew each other from right. Um, right yeah yeah so again, yeah i just i i i made beginner's luck whatever uh i wrote it and um i basically you know the song as you know it is as i wrote it um the lyrics all the melodies and the parts with a with a few important exceptions and back to uh bob rock and uh back to bruce fairburn and bob rock because i wrote it with a short first chorus like a half chorus which i like to do i like the, the i like the half chorus and then you know sure yeah get to the verse but uh they i remember bruce saying and bob too we think that you know we've got this whole intro kind of spacey thing and by the time we get to the first chorus man you, you just gotta hit it and mm-hmm. and, and so right. make it course so that was i believe an edit i think oh, we recorded wow. oh, it interesting. the first course i believe we recorded as, as a short course and uh then it was edited i i believe that's the case the other thing a couple of other cool things about those cats i mean you know again just such great fortune to get to work with them and uh you know sure, Bob's yeah. a great guy and bruce was just such a great such a beautiful guy um the bob Ross back to confirm Let's Graham see. Tucson for the win. Graham, Thank you, Graham. You're, you're killing me here. <laughs> uh, additional recording at Phase One in Toronto with Garth and Bill. Of course. Okay, there you go. That yeah, that's the piece of the puzzle. Thanks, Graham. Oh, you won. Wow. Um, you're the best. So, the thing that, um, yeah, I mean, feel again is very much how I wrote it, and it's funny because Johnny, you know, that vocal is is written by a guy who wasn't a singer Mm -hmm. okay so me and uh so when and johnny you know at various times would say it's like fuck man your your vocals are so your lines are your melodies are so weird it's so hard to do it you know but he god love him because man he would do it he's like is this right is this right is this right and he would make it right you know what i mean he and he, he would make it his own um which was amazing but uh bob Rock, it's a pretty divine defining vocal for johnny it's a great vocal it's one of his best if you ask me. Yeah. yeah 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 well, sure and it's so interesting because that song has so much tension in the verses you you're like where is the key the tonal center where's the key center it, right. i can't really find it and then that's what makes the course so much special is that okay now we're rooted and we're Right, where the tonal center is of the song, and it's so. interesting. It's interesting when when you talk about them saying when you the the chorus kind of by the second time through the chorus when it doubles up is the introduction of that second vocal, the fed, you know that thing, and you're just yes. like, whoa! It, it's just like going like taking it over the top. <laughs> who and sings that? Really, which I want to hear you sing, Todd. By the way, when oh, yeah. I join the band, who, when who, I get away and join the band, who, I'd love uh, it. Who, who sings that? Who sings that on the original funny. recording? Is that? John That's twice, funny, right? but here's one of the two things I was just going to mention about Bob Rock. Your timing is great. Um, Bob Rock, Johnny sang that, um, and then Bob Rock sampled it. And ah. back then, you know, we didn't, uh, you know, samplers were early, but there was the, uh, was it the lexicon that could cool. sample, could do like, a, you know, two, three-second sample or something. So uh, <laughs> Johnny, you know, hit that killer line 
uh, probably as just a one-off, you know, just as an ad lib. And then Bob was just like, holy shit, that's great. So Bob went back and, and like put that in. Wow. Uh, that is my recollection of it. So that was a really huge contribution. Another great Bob Rock contribution was that I wrote it just with a kind of static bass part, just pumping, you know, pumping, pumping the changes. And I remember as clear as a bell standing in the studio uh, and when we were doing the bass tracks and Gary was, Gary was doing the bass tracks and Bob was like, why don't you try that? Why don't you try a Brian Adams, you know, like, uh, this time, this time, right. And, uh, oh, that the makes, makes it, you know, go, 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 right. It's so yeah. good. So, you know, hooray, Bob rock. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The, bridge, the bridge is strong too. When the keyboards are pulsing and you did the feel it again. Was that the sample in the bridge too? It sounds I, like I it. think so. I mean, I, I, I think so, which is not to say, I don't know. I mean, Johnny, I'm not saying that he only sang it once. He, he may have, uh, he may have done it more than once, but I, I really recall Bob latching onto that great, you know, that great high vocal and, and making it an even more important part. So it's definitely, well, it's too bad. It's too bad. Bob, Bob didn't capitalize on those kind of things and make a real career for himself. Right. After that. Never, yeah, exactly. never yeah. heard of him again. Never heard from him again. Amazing to think that he would have recorded that sample and you would have had to roll the tape and then you would have been like, okay, go. Yeah. <laughs> like pressing a button on a rack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Ah, shit, that didn't work. Let's try it again. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I believe believe that's exactly what it was. Okay, so we've talked about how great that song is, but what happened with the video? (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. What do you mean? What's the matter with it? Are you telling me that that video hits video? You got a problem with that? Watching that video hits video after school? Come on. I know, I know there was good intentions with the video and it was like probably cutting edge at the time, but I think it was the first green screen video, right? It was, I think amazing. Cars video. If, if ours wasn't the first, the cars, you may think I'm crazy was the first, but I think maybe ours was the first. So it was early, early on. We shot Mm -hmm. in LA. It was all just a one day shoot. And, uh, yeah. Uh, what can, you know, what can I say? Uh, you're, you're standing watching me looking at me naked and embarrassed. (laughs) Um, that same green screen you have behind you now. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, by the yeah, way. No I, I, I have to be really humiliated for a while. So, kind of the time, it wasn't your fault. <laughs> and it was really I have to say, by the they way, they the same thing, right? They did a, a one kind of after that with the with the green screen and all the the tech stuff too. Who's it was that? another Haywire. Haywire, they, you know? Did they? Did they? Yeah. What was the name of that song? Drop uh, the needle. No, it was the one you said was your favorite song last week, Corey. Oh, Bad boys or... escaping me. No, that was a little earlier. Well, um, it's let's be honest. Luckily, none of us have ever done anything embarrassing that's caught on film or on music God, videos. That's right. Haircuts or haircuts or pants. I mean, not, I have no regrets. You know, <laughs> it, it's it's a show of success. The fact that you actually are captured on camera back then, because like they say, I mean, most of us have you know nothing to worry about because there was no camera in your face back then. But the fact that you were means that it was a, you know it was a sign of the times and it was great. I mean, a lot well, of technology and a lot of people. 
the technology's changed so much that these kind of things, you know, what we accept as like acceptable as far as technology goes now. Back then, that that kind of stuff was super cutting edge. I don't think anybody really questioned right. the yeah. what it was. It, it you wasn't know, comedy. Yeah, he God, no. it wasn't comedy back then. Like people, no. you know, and I will no say, no irony at all. <laughs> yeah, which is, yeah. you know, hard to believe now when you when you look at it, and and probably for anyone of a you know not of our vintage. And I say our as in honeymoon sweets vintage because I think you cats are all uh, a little younger than I. I just turned fifty eight. Um, you look but, amazing. Uh, thank you. Fantastic. Uh, the thing about that video, last thing I will mention, uh, you know, I will blow our horn because when I was um, when I joined Corey. Uh, my first gig with Corey, I had never met Corey. Uh, Corey Hart, hired, we're talking about. Yeah, Corey Hart. Yes, I was yes. hired over over the phone, and it was just like, okay. Uh, we're doing the Joan Rivers show. You remember when Joan Rivers first got her show? Yeah. She was going to take the air apparent yeah. to the Tonight yeah. Show, and then the last minute, Fox gave her a shitload of money. So it was really in the first few months of that. So it was still a big deal. And talk about mm -hmm. nerve wracking. Uh, you know, flew to L.A. Checked in at Sunset Marquee, met Corey. We went to SIR. We rehearsed for, you know, maybe an hour, a couple hours, maybe. Wow. And then, uh, you know, just went and did the show the next day. I was shitting my pants, man. It was, it was crazy, <laughs> crazy. But um, when, I was at, when I was in L.A. Uh, during that time, MTV, which was still fairly young, was doing their all-time top one, all-time top 100. And Feel It Again was, was in there, so... Cool. Wow! Yeah, yeah. hell yeah, that's awesome. What song? What song were you doing with Corey on on Joan Rivers? We were doing the Elvis song. Okay, yeah, yeah. can't help falling in love. Yeah, so it was myself and Russ Boswell, incredible bassist from Toronto. Uh, it was just uh, he and Corey and myself, and which made me shit my pants even more because you of know course. it's not like you've got a full band going, and so it was out in the open. Mm. I got through it okay. I got through it okay. Yeah, I'm sure you did amazing. That's great. That's so well, cool. you know what? We, we've, we've taken up a lot of your time here this week, and uh, we just need to, you know, finish off with a couple of things. You, uh, one, anybody watching, I mean, you know, we are starting this year out with a bang. We've got, you know, if you haven't already subscribed to the channel, do so now, like the page. Uh, you mentioned you're 58. We just have to know what's your take on artificial lawn? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, it would it would go well with a cape, I think. Yes. <laughs> hey, Shane, Shane, get a fake lawn and a cape, then you'd be like that. The, the really neighborhood eccentric. I didn't know it was such a big thing. Artificial lawn. That's crazy. Now, I, mean, I like how we spent like the first twenty minutes talking about lawns. Yeah. I mean, Shane, Shane does have. A, we've all spent a lot of time, you know, secluded over this last couple of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shane, Shane does have a, quite a big lawn, so I can see why he wants to to get rid of it. But you'll you'll get, get so much. It. it was just a thought. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you should you should go towards a, more of a, a a native landscape. You'll get more hummingbirds. You'll get more no. butterflies and all that kind of stuff. And you're the guy to know that, right, Corey? Because you're totally. Yeah. Into Anybody right. else has an opinion? Leave it in the comments. Again, uh, Ray, we want to thank you for coming on the show been a blast fantastic you. Uh, you know hope 2021 uh you know allows us all to do the things that we love and uh, hope to see out there yeah uh, thank you 
everybody want to thank you for tuning in. It's been a you know great time. And again, like I said, uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. YouTube and like the page on Facebook. And we're trying to open up things for 2021 and bring this uh, you know as often as we can every Tuesday. So we'll be back here. And do we know who's coming with us next week? Or are we gonna? It's a goodie, Keith Scott from Brian Adams. Oh, there you go. That you is know, a goodie. How much? You know, you know, he he wins because the, if you can take two first names and create your name, that's that's really always the win. I think that's <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Well, I've, I've often been told you never trust somebody with two first names. It, 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 it I, always it, yes. it always seems it seems a little made up, if you ask me, frankly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just to be in vogue. Exactly. It's like, or it's like one of those guys that you just never really knew if it's a real name. You know, every '80s guitar player that had a band with like Mike Michaels. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, or, you know, two two yep. first names. You never trust a guy. So we'll, no, see, Keith Scott, we'll see how he was. Keith Scott. Keith Scott's one of my favorite guitar players. It's gonna be awesome. That'd oh be great. God, that guy is getting to get. Yeah, so good. He's the best. He says a lot with says a, he's he's total slow hand. Says a lot with like you know with and he says it exactly right. You know, it's never about like whittle whittle whittle. It's he's yeah. doing a lot. Yeah, that guy's scary good. Anyway, guys, uh, I'm a huge fan of your band. So thank oh. you for having me on. And uh, really, I'll get a wig if I have to to join you. <laughs> just but just the cape just the cape but just again cape. before we go because you know what keep shopping next week here's here's <laughs> the thing we, we gotta we got time for just this one last question and uh, then we'll let you go we know that a lot of people come on the show and actually we've had guests on the show that even after an hour and a half didn't even know these guys were a band <laughs> that is true. That it's is true. true. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> really, Sebastian you, you, Bach or Sebastian Bach still doesn't know that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's still the uh, TikTok. You know, it's like, um, but no. But I, I think it was Lips from Anvil after an hour and a half. I said, so you know, these guys are a band. He's like, you guys are a band. What kind of music? Do you <laughs> wow. Well, you, uh, you, of course, not only being, uh, you know, a great lover of Canadian music and, of course, musician, know these guys. If you were to pick a song that already hasn't been done, what, what, what would be your take on that? Is there, I mean, we always look for, for ideas and suggestions. For you, Cats, uh, geez. Uh, and it's, it's got to be Canadian, of course. Um, well, I would say a Max Webster song. It has to be a Max Webster I was, song. I mean, I was going to say greatest bands ever <laughs> in, this, in the history of, well, you know what? I think Let Max Webster is one of the greatest bands ever. Do a Max Webster song. Do On the Road or gra fuck, there's, there's so many good ones. There that is. would be great. I, I, love, great. I love Let Go of the Line. Let Go of the Line. Oh, yeah, totally. That's Terry Walkington. Did you, and you have to pick one with like a you know a massive keyboard parts with so the keyboards, yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah. where you can play the keyboards on it, exactly, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm going to hold you to it, man. I'm holding you guys. How about in the world of giants? Isn't that unison in the world of giants? The solo. Um, yeah. Think so. That's a great song, dude. Yeah, uh, no, it's not unison. I don't think it's unison. I think it's just <laughs> How about that part? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm thinking of something else. I don't know. We don't need the keyboards because we got Shane Gallus's voice. We could just do that. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, He's still stuck in Bill and Ted mode there. <laughs> you guys, I, like you all play 10 instruments better than any of the rest of us can play one. And I think that's that's got to stop. Do us all a favor and oh, uh, spread that. some of it around, okay? Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that, Ray. I don't know if that's true. 
Wait, Bless, one second. Thank you. I can't let you go. So the Max Webster connection, there had to have been, you must have seen Max Webster at Kita Bala when your parents were involved. Yes. And you must have been like, careful what you wish for. I love this band. And you probably saw Rush back then too. But like, did yeah. you think you'd work with Kim or have that connection because of your your parents and the Kita Bala? You know, I thought, I mean, even at that early, my first summer was 72 and I was nine years old. And I, I incidentally started i taught myself to play there was an old baby grand piano in the key to bella and that's actually where i started to play wow um i i had my my visions of grandeur even back then i i because i said my brothers were great musicians and they they played and gigged and and you know so that's what i wanted to do as far as um no as far as playing with kim and also gary lalonde i i I remember seeing the band rose which was what eventually turned into toronto and very by the way um and uh, i remember seeing rose and at at times like i would get a chair before they would open the the doors and i would just get a chair and sit put it right in front of the stage and just sit there and i'll I'll never forget sitting in front of gary lalonde i i remember he was wearing a purple velour shirt or whatever it's clear (laughs) so gary and kim no i never would have dreamed that i was going to play with them and that's it's crazy it's crazy that's so cool wow yeah i do love hearing these are great. Awesome. And these are. They, we should start calling these uh, shows the Canadian goodbye because they take the <laughs> longest ever. So yeah, you know, I know, man. It's hard to leave you guys. It's hard to let you go. But thank well, you, you know, so and, much. And it's hard I to know. let you go too because the stories are great and it, yeah, you know, it's that thing. But we, I know. Uh, we know we've we've taken up a lot of your time. So we do again want to thank you for coming on the show and it's uh, been a fast, a fantastic time. Uh, thanks yeah. everybody for tuning in. Thank you. And uh, next week, I expect to see everybody in capes. Is that? Uh, <laughs> that's a given, sir. Yeah. Okay. That's a given. So, uh, cheers, guys. Next, next Tuesday, right, everybody, Thank you. Uh, go check out uh, Ray. They want to follow up where, uh, whatever you're doing. Where can they go to find you? Uh, you mean online? Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. Just give yourself. Yeah. Well, RayCorn.ca. Uh, is go. my website, and I as of uh, two weeks ago, I'm on Instagram, which I, I will just say, I'm seeing you guys like you guys got like 40,000, 60,000, and even just since this got announced yesterday, my numbers have gone up. Like, I'm in, uh, I'm over 140 followers now. There so, you go. You. Hey, so, uh, these, these guys pay for all their followers, so there's really only a 10% real <laughs> I don't know how you do like that. They're like the Evander Kane account, so it's okay, you know, everything. <laughs> I became a webcam girl over the uh, break, so I'm getting pretty good numbers. <laughs> there you go, man. Cool. So yeah, rakeover.ca. That's it, man. And uh, guys, thank well, here you. here's your plug. Everybody uh, listening, go uh, follow Ray on Instagram, and there you uh, go. We'll we'll see yeah. you back here next Tuesday. There you go. Perfect. Right Thanks, there. Ray. Bye, Love you, Ray. Love you. Love you, Take care, Take care buddy. Ciao. Peace. Hey.